and welcome to Press Church. I'm Chrissy Bontrager, the Care and Family Ministries Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. This Friday, October 29th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Powell campus, we will be hosting Monster Mash, Halloween fun for the whole family. Make sure to wear a costume and get ready for some spooky indoor trick-or-treating, face painting, and a magic show featuring the great Dino. Press Youth will be having a Halloween party tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Make sure to wear a costume for the contest and bring some candy. Whoever brings the most pieces of candy gets to pie Pastor Sean in the face. A new midweek releases every Wednesday at noon on our YouTube channel. Join as our pastors dig deep into spiritual questions with each other. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. How are we doing today? Oh, let's 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 clap. Come on, let's not for me, but just so the Michael doesn't feel awkward for clapping by himself, right? Thank you, Michael. That means that's that's sweet. Uh, my name is Sean Lee. I'm the lead pastor at Press Church. Uh, for those of you who are watching online, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to just say, last week, if you were able to make it to our one-year celebration, that was awesome. That was super fun hanging out at Noctera together. Uh, that was a blast. We had great weather, it was a great time, uh, and it means, it means a lot that you'd come out and support and just be a part of celebrating one year. It is, it's, yeah, you can get, clap, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing what God's done and is continuing to do. Uh, it's, very, it's very humbling. I think we all, we all know, yeah, when we think about ourselves, you're like, yeah, I, we, we all see our flaws and our shortcomings, and to, to know that you know, us as leaders, we come in broken and messed up, and we have our own issues too, and yet God continues to use us and use you uh, to make Press Church happen. So that's, that's awesome. I also want to mention, we mentioned in the announcements, 
Monster Mash, this coming Friday. If you, if you haven't signed up to volunteer, talk to Chrissy today or one of us. And if you have kids, come and enjoy it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a blast. So we're continuing our Weird Church series today. Uh, definitely having fun with this series. Um, so in order to stay weird, I've got a weird question for you. Do we have any uh, love experts in the room? I was, I was curious to see if anybody would actually raise their hand. Like, no. There's people at home sitting on the couch like, oh, yeah, I'm totally a love expert. Uh, who, who has that, that friend that is, is the love expert? You know, you know somebody, they're always trying to set somebody up. They're always trying, they're like, oh, I have the perfect person for you, right? They're always going to the single person. Yeah, are, are you that person? Oh, you just know somebody. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend growing up that prided themselves on trying to set people up. And it was like, you know, they'll set up all these different dates and one will just happen to work out. And they're like, see, I told you I'm the best at this. And you're like, yeah, but you have like all these other ones that didn't work. No, this one, I, I know it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just fun. You know what I mean? You, you get to jab at them a little bit. So no, no one in here would say they're love experts. I think we could, we most of us, if we're if we're sane, would say we're not love experts. So I have a question for you: What what is love? What is love? We say it a lot, talk about it a lot, a lot of books, a lot of sermons. It's in the Bible. What is love? Is it a feeling? Is it actions? Is it both? What is Love. So if you've, if you've been with us before at Press, pretty much every week the pastors, we get together and we, we get in the car and we start talking through some, some questions about uh, what we're dealing with, what the sermons are about. And so today, you're going to get to watch us pastors talk about love. Let's watch. Night at the Roxbury. Keep seeing that, hearing that song, whatever that is. Oh, that, what is love? Yeah. <laughs> Sean, you will never be loved like you I will never be loved. <laughs> you will never be loved. Just gonna leave it Pause. <laughs> Sean, you will never be loved. Pause. <laughs> Wait for it. Like you're loved by us. Like. <laughs> Except for Jesus. Oh, uh, Christians, they do come off with this sort of, uh, it, it seems uh, kind of idiotic, honestly, talking about Jesus' love, mm. you know, and it's like the magical spaghetti monster argument, <laughs> that, like, uh, you know, that loves you. You know, that's, yeah. that's the way that those who have, you know, no faith would view our conversations right. about Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, to say Jesus loves you is just a weird statement on some levels. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if you aren't a Christian, and if you don't believe necessarily in all that, to say right. it's kind of like, so? Right. It's like, all right, so this guy who lived, you know, a couple thousand years yeah. ago loves you. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, you know, and being where we are and wh where we have found our faith has led us, at least me personally, I, I mean, I believe... That Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me mantra. But where I am now and what feels more real to me is Jesus is loving me. Yeah. 
it's it's an active process because uh, I'm unlovable. <laughs> and, Tell us about it, <laughs> right? And and to right. accept that Jesus is constantly, yeah, yeah, loving me. Yeah. yeah, I think that's an important concept to understand. Right? It's, well, yeah, and it's it's weird because usually our love is not that continual process. Our love is based on something. It's based on actions. It's based on results. It's or... transactional, typically. Yes. I mean, especially, uh, you know, in a consumeristic society, pretty much everything, it's a transactional way of approach. Well, you, right? I, I, I will love you until you... Uh, Stop benefiting put, me. Put right. that sign in your yard. Yeah. I yeah. will love you until you... Until I see a think point different, of disagreement. Think differently than me right. on this. Until you, as long as you make me feel good about myself, yes. <laughs> right. I love you. Yes. Right. Like, right. even if you're, even if you're like problematic, <laughs> right. if I can feel good about myself loving you, yeah. uh, we're okay with that. Yeah. Right. But when it, it gets beyond that, then it's like, eh, you know, yeah. screw I'm, you guys, and I'm going home. <laughs> I would say, though. Is that a South Park <laughs> <reference? Yeah. laughs> um, I, I would say, though, that true love doesn't start until it reaches that point of it's going to cost me to love you or it's going to make it harder for my life if I love you. Hmm. I think that's why so Jesus loved is weird. That, is it just like a nicety until then? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bible says, you know, even even pagans love the people who love them. That Yeah, that is very true. But, I mean, that's... Anybody can do that. Right. But to really love... I think that's why Jesus' love was so weird. Because people didn't know how to take it. Yeah. It was new. To love people who are unlovable. Yeah. To step toward them and not away from them. To reach out to them. To touch them. I mean, what in our life... Like, really... In our life, how are we doing anything like that the way Jesus did? Yeah, that's a good question. In our life, how are we living how Jesus did? I want to uh, come back to some of the foundations I talked about in the first week of this series. And that is this. The first one, Jesus is weird. We are the church. We should be weird. If you have no clue why I would say any of these things, go home and watch the first two weeks of the series. But all that being said, we do need to define some, some, some things. All right, what, what, when we say weird, what do we actually mean? We've said this throughout the series. Weird is this. It's suggesting the supernatural, the unearthly. Uh, when, we, when we read scripture, we are presented with a, a weird Jesus, a supernatural and unearthly person. There's something special about him. There's something just beyond that he represented. And so up until this point, we talked about Jesus uh, he talked weird. First week, we talked about how, you know, he's, he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. If you've watched the Netflix series Midnight Mass, that takes uh, this statement to a whole nother level. Doesn't seem like many people have watched Midnight Mass. Okay. I'm not endorsing it. You probably shouldn't. But literally, the show, <laughs> the show shows how you can take scripture verses and totally twist them to fit your agenda. That's all I'll say. Don't watch it. It's bad. I just assumed, you know, more people have watched it. Or you guys are acting like you haven't watched it. Like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay. Off to a good start. Here we go. So he talked weird. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Uh, he acted weird. Week two, we talked about how he acted weird. 
He's, he's, he's walking along with his disciples. It's on the Sabbath, and they start eating the grains off the side, and the Pharisees, whoa, whoa, it's the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, you're missing, you're missing the bigger point. And he starts giving examples of other times where people are seemingly breaking the law, breaking the commandments, and yet they're not condemned. And Jesus is talking about, I desire mercy. I desire you to, to acknowledge me. Actually, in regards to that story, I had somebody say, hey, well, they were stealing. Isn't that a, isn't that a sin? It actually wasn't. So here's why. In, in that time, they would actually leave grain for the poor. Like, it was, it was intentional. It was, like to, it was a way to help feed the, the lesser then, the poor. And so they were actually allowed to go and, and pick that. So it's not actually stealing either. So you can, yeah. If you were worried about them stealing, I guess I... So Jesus acts weird. Man, you're, you're going against your commands. What do, you, what do you do with that? And really, as we closed up week two, it comes down to this, is, is, is realizing that all of these laws, all these commandments come down to this, loving God and loving others. Loving God and lo- loving your neighbor. And if that's the culmination of, of everything that we are supposed to embody and be, how are we doing that? What does that love Look like. I'll go back to the question that Jason proposed at the end of that video. How in our life are we loving like Jesus did? And so if we're going to address this question, we have to look at, at the life of Jesus. We have to look at what Jesus did and how he interacted in order to understand his love. What is important to Jesus? If what's important to Jesus, maybe that means something. Maybe that should be something that we, we think about and take more seriously. So I want us to read, we're going to be Mark uh, chapter 2 for this first section of verses. Verses 15 through 17, it says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Levi was a tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners, why would he do that? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but to the sinners. And so this first thing I wanna look at is this, and this is the first bullet point for right. Jesus spent time with the poor, the unclean, the marginalized, the sinners. That's the people he spent time with. And if you look, I actually, you know, this week I took time and I went through the Gospels and I just kind of just did a quick thing through the whole Gospels. And I'm just kind of reading like the over, like what's the overarching thing? What are some of the themes? And so many times you see Jesus, it's on his way to doing so. You know, he was on his way and somebody brought him somebody sick or a sick person came to him. Or he was on his way and he saw somebody. Or he's on his way or he was going to do this. And he's, he spent time with them. This is, this is weird. How many times have we been like on our way to work and we say, oh, hey, I'm going to go hang out with that homeless person for the whole day. I mean, your employer would probably get upset, but we don't really think about that. Or you're going for a jog and you see some kind of weird person. We just kind of keep jogging and stay away from that person. I'm not recommending if you're by yourself. You know, that might not be a good idea to go hang out with a person you don't know. I'm just saying. But Jesus spent time with the other. He spent time with these people. 
Now, unlike in Jesus' times, we don't have, like, leper colonies. If you read through Scripture, you see, you know, the lepers, they're, they're out on the outskirts of the city. We don't necessarily have those places that we can just go and hang out with, with sick people like that. But if Jesus was here now, who would you guess that he would be hanging out with? Like, I don't want to just, I, I want us to, this to be like an actual mental exercise, right? Let's, let's think about this. Not a category of person. Like, I want you to think of a, a person, a real person. And I want you to think, like, who would be the type of person that Jesus would actually be spending time with? Somebody that maybe we don't want to spend time with. Or someone who's an outcast in the society, or a minority in the society, or think of that person. I, I want it to be personal. Like, I, I, it's easy to, to just lump into categories. And so if you have that, like, somewhat of a person in your head, how do we treat that person? Would you, would you eat with that person? Would you serve that person? Would you talk with that person? What would you talk about? Do you care more about fixing them than you do listening to them? See, I think that's the, the thing. We, you know, in this verse, it's, it's, it's not the healthy, but the sick that need. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And so sometimes we can, oh, well, I'm going to go to the sinner and I'm going to tell them just all the terrible things they're doing. They need to know. We need to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. And yet, there's times where we don't see Jesus doing that to some pretty bad people. He spends time with them. He listens. He breaks bread. He eats with them. So I found this, I found this picture this week. Uh, and so I, I just want to share. Uh, just, just read. Just, just take a gander at this one. This is a, a good example of maybe what not to do. Like, so if we need, like, just an example of what not to do. This is, like, I like this, and find Jesus. So you're telling me I'm a terrible person, you don't want to give me anything, you don't like me, but find Jesus. Like, have you found Jesus? Because if you found Jesus, um... Uh, I don't know if I want to find Jesus. So if you need an example maybe of what not to do, this, this is, you know, this is a good, good example. You know what, you know what the, the tough thing about this is? I'm called to love this person too. Maybe they, maybe they are a socialist and think these things, guess what? Doesn't matter. Okay, so your ideology is different than mine. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about loving. So there's, there's, some, there's some in here that maybe actually like, well, yeah, I don't want to give free handouts, and there's people living off the system and taking advantage of our country, and, and you may be absolutely right. And yet what I talked about, I think it was in the first week, about how we have to transcend these polarizations that we live in. God is above government. 
and rulers and kings and all these other things. He's above all of that. And we all have our opinions. If I polled everyone here, it'd probably be pretty diverse. There'd be some people who think differently than you. Oh. Imagine that, right? How, how do we love the unlovable? How do we love the people who the things that they do and the things that they, they, they say and the actions that they give are totally polar opposites to what we believe and would want? How do we do that? There's a chapter in 1 Corinthians that talks all about love. Most, most of you are familiar with it. It's literally referred to the love chapter. If you've been to a wedding in your life, you've, you've probably heard a section of this before. I just want to, I just want to read. We're going to read three, three of the verse, three, uh, four through seven. And as I read this, just like act like you're reading it for the first time, okay? Never read this before. Let's, let's read this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, our problem is we struggle with love. We struggle with love. And if you and if you if you lived this out, it would be weird. So here's my second point of the day is this. Love makes you do weird things. Love makes you do weird things. We really have very few examples in our lives of true love. As Sierra said in the video, it's transactional. It's not even love at that point, but it's transactional. I get what I want, I'll give you what you want, but you've got to give it to me first so that I can reciprocate. Anybody remember uh, their first crush? Remember how you felt with your first crush? You would do anything. Oh, man. All of a sudden, you don't mind talking on the phone for three hours. You start wearing some weird clothes because they like it. They buy you a shirt that you would have never bought yourself, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll wear that shirt. You look back at pictures like, why did I wear that shirt? <laughs> start listening to music you don't like, acting like you like it. Oh, this is great. And then we see it start, start to fade, right? Think about your marriage, those of you who are married. It's always great in the beginning. Well, I guess I can't say that. Some people are like, man, our first year was terrible. It's, it's, it's always, you know, there's always a point where it's like, this is awesome. We're, this is, we're, we're made for each other. And then all of a sudden, hmm, life hits. Struggles happen. 
those feelings that we have, they start to fade. And we realize a lot of it was based out of infatuation or what I could get out of it. And the problem is that doesn't meet the requirements of love. So what do we do? Some of, the, some of the relationships in our lives that should have the most love are, are some of the relationships that we struggle with the most. So we talk about love all the time. We know the word. But the practical application in our lives, we, we miss sometimes. We want it to be that feeling. You know, we want to feel that, that high, that love high. But then when I look at 1 Corinthians and I read through that, this doesn't sound like a high, man. It's patient? Well, define patient. Not easily angered. This is, this is hard. It's very hard. And again, it goes to that point where it's like we want something out of it. If I'm going to give love, I want to know that I'm going to get something in return. If I'm going to buy these flowers and chocolates for my wife, I better be able to watch football tonight. And she's going to take care of the kids. Right, honey? But that's, that's how we live. It's so easy to be selfish. It's so easy to live that way. And it's why it's hard to comprehend Jesus' love for us and the way he has encouraged us to then love others. A lot of us, you know, so the verse, love your neighbor as yourself, a lot of us struggle to love ourselves. You're like, if I don't even like myself, why am I going to treat that guy any good? A lot of us struggle to, to like ourselves, to love ourselves, to be comfortable in our own skin. Like, why in the world would I love somebody else? Or maybe you are loving like yourself because you treat yourself like garbage. How can we embrace the love that Jesus has for us? And it's hard to embrace it because, again, we want to earn it. We keep falling back into that. We're like, okay, well, if I don't go to church this week, then Jesus doesn't love me. That's not true. Pastors want to tell you that. I would love for you to, hey, I want you to feel really guilty for not coming to church. But not for Jesus' sake, just for my sake, so that there's, you know, so I see you. And it makes me feel good about myself. But that's what we do. It's, it's built on this, if I do, I get. I do, I get. I give, I take. I want to read a scripture that I think is a good encouragement for us and maybe a good way to point out. I want to look in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But, you, but to you who are listening, I say, tell your enemies why they are wrong. Wait. Okay, I, I'm reading a different version. Love. Your enemies and treat them, no, do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Something that's very common in Christian spaces is we like to define, uh, we like to put some boundaries in place. We like, we like to have some boundaries. You know, we're good at like, what, what can I get away with? You know, how, how much drinking is too much drinking? If I'm in a state that has legalized weed, am I allowed to smoke it? If I'm in another country that has a lower drinking age, am I allowed to, like, we, we keep pushing the boundary. We like to push the boundaries. What, all right, what is really doing good for those who hate you? The fact that I'm not beating them up is doing them good. The fact that, you know, when I'm driving on the road and someone cuts me off, for me not to go around them, give them the bird, yell at them, swerve back in front of them, slam on my brakes, that's me loving them. So I think I'm doing a pretty good job of loving my enemies. <laughs> pray for those who mistreat you. God, I pray that they would realize how stupid they are, that, they, that you would just give them a glimpse of just how much they need you, because they need you a lot, and I'm perfect. So I prayed for them. I'm good. I, I, met, I met the requirements. That's what we're all about. We're about meeting the requirements, right? I did what I'm supposed to do. So what is really loving your enemies? How do we do that? I've, I've, I've put down three points that, that summarizes this in a, I mean, it's almost verbatim word for word that we can incorporate in our lives. So when you're having trouble loving your enemies, and here's the, other, here's the other thing. If this is even for our enemies, how much more for the people in our lives that we would say that we love? I made a joke. Some of you were probably here early when, when press launched. We launched around the time of the election. So obviously a lot of opinions rolling around. And I made a joke that we all were too new. Like we, we didn't know each other well enough to be mean to each other yet. Why is it that the people that we know the best were, were okay with being mean to them? You ever notice that? Like, you, you, you'll find somebody that you don't know and all the pleasantries, right? Oh, you know, you're going to be nice. You're going to behave yourself. As soon as you know them well, that, that's off the table, right? You just treat them however you want. Like, it's, it's like you're, you're just going to trust. Oh, well, they know me. Uh, they, they know. So if this is how we should treat our enemies, how much, how much more should this be even a, an element of the people that we say we love in our lives, that are close to us in our lives? So this is this. I have three points. It's this. Do good. Speak well of. Pray for. This week, when somebody cuts you off or gets in the fast lane and drives five under, how are you going to do good, speak well of, and pray for? When you are at work this week, 
And that person who's always annoying and you just want to call them out and you just want to yell at them and scream at them and say, you know, whatever you want to say, how can you do good to them? How can you speak well of them? How and when will you pray for them? It's good exercise. That, that word blessing in that scripture, bless those who curse you, that really is to speak well of. That's why I put speak well. How are we speaking well of? And again, let's not try to find the out. Like, okay, well, what is doing good? What is speaking well? What's, uh, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, okay? Let's be honest with God and say, all right, in the hard times when life is not all sunshine and butterflies, when I'm going, having a bad day and people are annoying me, how am I doing good, speaking well of, and praying for people? I believe that this, this is living out our revelation of who Jesus is to us. Knowing that he loves you. We talk about embracing our identity in Christ here at, here at Press all the time. That's, the foundation of that is you know that you are loved. God loves you, and it doesn't make sense. His love does not make sense. I know how messed up I am. I can only imagine how messed up you are. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. We're messed up, right? We all know that. Like, we have some issues. And God still loves us. So when we live out of that identity of God loving us, how much more are we then able to see that brother or sister that other person, and see the fact and understand the fact that God actually loves them too. Even in their sin, God still loves them. God still wants them to trust in him. And we also have this thing in the church where it's like, oh, that's, that's good. Well, they're not a Christian. It's fine. They're doing bad things. It's that's, that's to be expected. But as soon as they're a Christian, I expect your life to be good now. I expect you to stop that bad thing that you're doing. That's offensive to me. And we want to, it's like we want to play God. We want to we play God like, oh, well, no, you have to get rid of that first before God loves you. Now that you're a Christian, everything has to be clean and perfect. No. This is not me saying, hey, just go live your life and, you know, these things that we're doing has no, like, things that are against God is not good. I'm not saying sin is good, but sin is missing the mark. We've, we've said that in some videos before. Sin is missing the mark. God has a perfect, a perfection of what is good, and anything short of that is sin. And so we are going to sin. We are going to fall short. And you acting or me acting or any of us acting like my falling short is any better than someone else's falling short is not helpful. How can we point people to Jesus? How can we point people to his love and trust that if they are truly seeking God, I believe this, if you are truly seeking God, you will see growth. 
you will see transformation. We see transformation. You will see elements of yourself change. You'll be like, wow, I'm beginning to be more patient. I didn't curse that person out this week. That's actually surprising for me. I said thank you to somebody. I now and I don't want that to be the bar. Again, we like to put the boundary. Okay, that's the bar. I'm going to say thank you and I'm good. No. What is it in your life that you have to give over to God? What is it? Where are the places in your life that you know, okay, you know what, God? I want to I want to do better because of my love for you. Not because of what I get out of it, because I love you and I want to do good. I want to honor you. And let's us together in community start to say, okay, where are those places in our lives that we can start giving a little more to God and start opening our hand up just a little more? And I believe that as we do that and as we see and view it like that, that the people around us that maybe don't live or think or act like us, we might start having a little more patience for those people. We might start having a little more empathy for them. Realizing that we don't know what they're going through. We don't know their history. We don't know how they grew up. We don't know anything. So how do we come and support them? In the book of John, um, there's, there's these sections. I think it's about six times in the book of John where there is somebody who is described as the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And some people think that it was John. There's some discrepancies, but let's just assume that it's the writer, John. So John is writing this, and he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What if we viewed ourselves like that? Who are you? I'm the person who Jesus loves. I'm the sinner who Jesus loves. I'm the mother who Jesus loves. I'm the orphan who Jesus loves. I'm the broken person that Jesus loves. What if our identity started there, that we are that person who is loved by Jesus? Michael, you can come up. I want to close with a verse that, again, most of us know or have probably heard before and isn't nothing new. But as we go through our week and continue on, let's keep this in our minds. John 13, 34, 35, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do good, speak well of, pray for. I believe, maybe I'm naive, I am a fairly optimistic thinking person, I believe that with the help of God that we can change this community for the better. That we can make a difference in this community. There's people in this community that are hurting and struggling and they don't feel the love of God. And the church hasn't necessarily been an expression of the love of Christ in their lives either. And so what would it look like this week as we go throughout our day if we were to do good for those people? speak well of those people and pray for those people. I do believe that that would definitely start moving us in the right direction to truly make a difference with the people around us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your love. 
And even though it is so hard for us to comprehend, and we will probably never under, fully understand it until eternity, God, but for us, it is so hard to recognize and comprehend that love, but I thank you for it. And I thank you for the sacrifice that it cost you to show us your love and what it means for us, that we can have hope in you, God, that we can have a future, God, that our, that our current situations do not define us, that you see us where we are, that you're with us where we are, God. And I pray that we are all encouraged this week that even when it's hard, even when we want to be angry, even when it, we want to be selfish, even when all of these things, God, that even our enemies we can, we can do good for, God, that we can pray for them, that we can, we can speak well of them, we can honor them even when it's hard. And we have that internal tension of not wanting to but God, I pray that we would rest in you, that we would be led by your, your spirit, God. To show those around us the true love of Christ that is not transactional, that is not based on anything other than the fact that you love us. God, we praise things. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'll invite you to stand up as we continue.